If you would, please stand for the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him in bringing glory to his name. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Hey, before we get going, uh, I just want to update you. We've been praying for some things uh, to happen in people's lives. One, Dave Moran, who was in this terrible four-wheeler accident, he showed up at church today, guys. Like, it's just a huge answer to prayer. Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't supposed to come home until Thanksgiving, and just he's, he's recovering very well. He's out of work for a while. Uh, some people have asked me, uh, about how to help or support them. And so uh, there's a picture with a QR code. Uh, if you, that, that, that'll take you to our landing page of how to help Dave. Uh, I do want you to know that you can't give money. We don't do money to individuals here as a church. You can't give money to the church and we, we give it to somebody else. That's not how we do things. So whatever you do would be you being generous. I just want to, sometimes people get a little funny about stuff like that. So I go for clarity. It's just you being generous if you want to help Dave. Um, that's fine. And then this morning also at first service, Bill Watterson had a heart attack a couple weeks ago. He was serving in the children's ministry. Uh, he's back already back serving, just way ahead of schedule. And then we've also been praying about the strike with the movie industry. Who, it affects several people from, from South Campus. And I've been talking to them. Katie's serving back in children's ministry. I was talking to Stephen this morning, first service. We're praying for, uh, for that to end so they can go back to work, but praying for them. And so I want to say a prayer of thanksgiving, but I also want to say this. If you're going through a hard time right now, and I'm going to talk about this in the message, I want you to know this, that God's with you, that he loves you. And sometimes that's all you got, but that's enough. Just knowing that he's with you and that he loves you. And so we're going to say a prayer of thanksgiving, but I also want to, I want to say this to you. I'm lifting you up in prayer today, too, that if something's going on in your life, that God's with you, that he cares for you, and he loves you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. And Lord, when we see you answer them, it just excites us. And, and when we see people healed, when we see people get better, when we see people go back to work and then be blessed. Well, we get excited about that. That's what we want. And we, we uh, just as Michelle said just a second ago, that you're the giver of all good things. That everything we have comes from you. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for working our lives. Thank you for acting. But, Lord, I also want to pray for those that are going through difficulty right now. That 
they would know that you love them. And Lord, I pray for the person here today that's thinking, man, where are you at, God? That Lord, I pray that they would know you're with them. That your presence, Lord, be strong in their life. Lord, the greatest prayer, or just the, the greatest comfort I have in prayer, that we have in prayer, is knowing that you care about us. And so I pray that we know that. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. How many of you like Star Wars? Anybody, anybody like Star Wars? Oh, okay. We got some big Star Wars. The first service, not so much anyway. I, I've seen almost every Star Wars movie. Uh, I am not a Star Wars guy. Like I don't, I don't live for Star Wars. And if you do, that's great. No, no problems. But Star Wars has made their money on uh, these uh, films that they have opening up the film with what's called a prologue where the prologue is, you go to Star Wars movie, the screen rolls with words, and it tells you what's going on in the background of the story. So you, the first Star Wars movie, whichever one, because they've had prequels and all this other stuff, whichever one you think is the first one, <laughs> it's got a prologue. Boom, this is what's going on. Tells you that, and then you watch the movie. Go to the second Star Wars movie. It's going to tell you what happened in the first movie. It's going to have the screen, words rolling on the screen, prologue. Telling you, then you watch the third, I mean the second one, the second movie. Then you go on to the third movie. Same thing. Tells you what's going on. And so that's what's called a prologue. Today's message is a prologue. So when you think about today's message, I want you to think Star Wars. Now some of you are like, Ugh. some of you are like, yes, whatever you're at with that, okay? All right. Think Star Wars. We have this whole year been doing the book of Romans. We've been going through the book of Romans, and we went through a section and then took a break, and then we went through a section and took a break, and now we're about to start the third section next week. So you need to come. You need to come. But here is the prologue. Today's message is a prologue. I'm going to tell you what happened in the first two movies of Romans that we did. All right. I'm going to tell you what happened. So it's a prologue. And so I got eight points, and so I've got, I've got to fly. Here we go. First is this. Romans is a letter. Romans is a letter. Now, let me ask you, when is the last time anybody in here, nobody first service had done this. When's the last time if anybody mailed a letter this year, wrote a letter and mailed it, not typed it, wrote, oh, we got some letter writers. Great. Not a bill. I'm not talking about bills here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm talking about you wrote a letter to your biller. No, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about you wrote a letter. This used to be, this is like the archaic form of communication now, but it used to be the primary form of communication, that you wrote letters, and you think about Pony Express, or if you've ever seen the movie News of the World with Tom Hanks, terrible movie, not very good, one of his worst, but in that movie, he has this news, and he travels around from place to place and tells them the news, and they pay him money, and, and it's kind of like that. But in these days, they had this letter, and the person carried the letter, and they carried the letter. It was real important, and they carried it, and they read it to the church. They read it to the church. So Romans is this letter that we have, and if you've ever wondered about whether, if there's people here wondering if God's Word is true or not, you may not want to raise your hand in church, because I can't say that in church, but sometimes we do. We wonder if it's true or not. The, the letters of Romans of uh, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, because they tell of all the problems in the church. To me, they are valid points uh, of communicating that God's word is true, because why would you put those in there? And I'll give you an example. Let's say somebody's coming over your house for the first time. Do you clean your house? Yeah. We do. Now, if they've, if, 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 if they've come a lot, then I don't clean it because they know me. I don't have to try to pretend that we're clean all the time. 
But when somebody's coming for the first time, you clean your house. You clean it up. Here's the thing about the, the Word of God. The Word of God is showing in Romans and all these other letters, 1 Corinthians, all the problems in the church. They're not trying to clean it up. They're showing you that the church has problems. Why would they put that in there unless it was true? Unless it was valid. This is not the way you, you, you encourage people to join, join our church. It's, here's all the problems. It's really messed up. Come join us. That's not what the church does. We try to clean ourselves up and look good and everything like that, but that's not what we do. And so Romans is this letter where Paul is addressing the problems of the church. So here's the problem of the church. That when the church first started, Romans is written in 57 AD, 57, 59, 60, whatever you want to say there, about 25 years after Jesus has died and rose again, Thanks, Rick. <laughs> and when the first church starts, it has Jewish Christians, Jewish Christ followers in it. But then persecution hits, and the church is predominantly Gentile, non-Jewish Christians. And so they've taken predominant roles, and they're leading and everything like that. Well, then the persecution dies down, and the Jewish Christians come back, and there's immediate tension attention on how we're going to live, how we're going to do this culturally. And so the letter of Romans written to the church in Rome is Paul talking about how these Christians are going to live together. And it's, it's way more than that, but that is kind of like the purpose of the book. That's what's going on. So Ro Romans is written to the Christ followers in Rome. I'll just go ahead and give you the scripture. It's a letter. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, which I love that, that we don't ever call ourselves that. We hate that. Paul took it as bragging rights. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. This is who I am. Chosen by God to be an apostle, sent out. The word apostle means one sent out a mission, sent out to preach the good news. And then the, he goes on to say, he says, I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his own holy people. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So it's a letter. Second thing, Romans is about salvation for all people. Salvation for all people. This is great news here, great news, that there is salvation that everybody can be saved. The scripture Paul talks about here. He says, for I am not ashamed of this good news. The good news is that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That you're part of God's family. You're part of God's body. That he has a plan and purpose for your life, which I'm going to talk about at the end. But that this is some of the best news. It is the greatest news ever. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. He's not trying to give some kind of, he's just telling you how it happened. That came to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And look, this is, this is exciting for me as a pastor because what Paul is saying right here is that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your race, your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your, your standing in the community. It doesn't matter your uh, occupation. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter if you don't have any money. It doesn't matter if you've committed a lot of sins or a few sins. It doesn't matter if you have a terrible past, a terrible present, or it doesn't matter if you don't think good about the future, that you can be saved today. This is the greatest news of all that there is salvation for everyone. And Paul is reminding us of that in Romans. Three, 
Romans declares that we are all accountable for our sins. Now, this, this, this was, I'll spend a little time on. I got a ticket a couple years ago because I was speeding and I was going, I got a ticket for a 59 and a 45. I think I was going a little bit faster. I think he was being nice. And he pulled me over and he came up to the car and he said, did you know you're speeding? I said, no, I didn't. I really wasn't paying attention. And that was the truth. I really wasn't. It wasn't like a statement. I was saying, I really was. I just wasn't paying attention. He wasn't impressed with that answer, by the way. It didn't, didn't move him one bit. He said, okay, I'll be right back. Said, okay. All right. And I didn't have a problem with it because I was speeding. And I looked at Micah, my son, who's in the car. I said, I don't know. I've got to tell your mom. I've just got a ticket. He said, don't worry. I've already told her. He said, I videoed it. <laughs> <laughs> There's blue lights in the background of this video. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, but I was held accountable for my trespass. I broke the law. I was held accountable. Listen to me, and rightfully so. Now, Romans declares that you and I are accountable for our sins. See, a lot of times we don't think we're accountable. We think that God understands me and I'm different and, you know, and he gets me and I don't have to do all that other stuff he says here because he knows, and I want you to hear me. That's not the way it works. But you are held accountable for your sins. And a lot of times we think to ourselves, well, you know what? I'm really not that bad a person. And I want to share this with you. You are. You're way worse than you think you are. I'm serious. I, I can laugh. And I, I, that's one thing I know me. Look, you, there's a thing called self-awareness. I am not a good person. I am a Christ follower, but I'm not a good person. And so I'm going to list some areas. I do this from time to time. Has anybody here ever told a lie? You're a liar. Anybody ever stolen something? You're a thief. Anybody ever cheated? You're a cheater. Cheated on your taxes, cheated on a test. And then I'm going to, I'm going to go through some, some, a list here that no, none of us want. We don't even want to be associated with it, but the truth is we've done it. Anybody ever lusted? Jesus says you're an adulterer. Anybody gossiped? Anybody here got so angry, got so mad at somebody that thought, man, I could kill that person? Jesus says you're a murderer. Anybody here ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Been jealous? Betrayed someone, stabbed him in the back? Anybody been prideful? Slander? Anybody been greedy? Anybody been judgmental? In Mark 7, 20, this is what Jesus said. Jesus says, all those things are in your heart. That's what's inside of your heart. That's what's inside me and you. And you and I are held accountable for our sins. Look at the scripture here. He says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people. See, we don't think we're wicked, but the truth is we are. We're not good people. We clean ourselves up really good, and we, we talk nice on Sundays. Who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. We know these things are wrong. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God has made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature, so they have no excuse. We are accountable. You are accountable. 
I am accountable for my sins. If you've ever seen the sunrise or the sunset, or you've been to the mountains and been to the beach, he says, you've seen the hand of God. You've seen the power of God. You've seen his divinity. You are without excuse. Now, that's some heavy stuff right there. And if you're sitting here today, you're like, man, I'm so glad this, this sermon doesn't end here. I'd be miserable. Four, Romans shows that God has a plan for our sin condition. Now, I'm accountable for my sins. Now, here's the second story. I got a ticket a couple years ago. I paid the full penalty of committing that offense. 15 years ago, I got a ticket. I know you're thinking, you got a lot of tickets. I haven't got a lot of tickets. Somebody at first search, so you must get a lot. I don't get a lot of tickets. I should get way more, but I don't get a lot. I got a ticket 15 years ago. It was in a small town. I won't say the town. And I was talking to someone on the phone, and they said, this is what you need to do. And I didn't ask them to do it. They just told me what to do. When I called over, they said, you need to get it out of that town and get it into the county. If you get into the county, it's going to be a smaller fine. If you get in the county, then you're not going to pro probably not going to have to pay points. You have to do the points on your license. And I said, well, how do I do that? I'm just telling them, I said, how do I do like, that? I'm, I'm not a ticket guy. I don't know. They said, you go in there, and you go in that, that, that small town, and you tell them you want a trial by jury. I'm trying to say, What? I said, that's what you're doing. They're going to, they're going to immediately put it in the county, and then it's going, to be, it's going to be less. Okay. I did nothing illegal. I mean, besides breaking the wall. I mean, besides the ticket. I know that was long. I walked into that courthouse. It was packed full of people who had gotten tickets. I mean, I mean packed. You could stand in room only of ticket people. They were my people. <laughs> I took up an offering. You know what I'm saying? So, got to be my turn, Mr. Thompson. How do you plead? I said, I want a trial by jury. You could have heard a pin drop, y'all. Heard a guy in the back go, heard that? <laughs> they kicked it to the county. I didn't, I'm telling you what they did. They kicked it to the county. I paid a reduced fine, no points on my license. Don't, don't ask me how it just, it just happened. Now, let me tell you something. I was super excited that day that I didn't have any points against me, against my license. I was super excited that day because I paid about $50 less than I normally would had it been in the regular place. That was 15 years ago. I'm about to tell you something that's unbelievably way more than that. I was super excited that day. I want to tell you something super exciting. You are held accountable for your sins. Listen to me. You're held accountable for your sins, but you don't have to pay the penalty for them. I'm going to say this again. You are held accountable. You stand before God and say, I did it. I am all those things that Gary just said. I've, I've done them. I've done, I've, I'll probably do them again. Listen to me. You're accountable. You don't have to pay the penalty for it. You can stand and say, I want a trial by my judge, Jesus Christ. And he's going to pay the penalty for my sins. And he said, I don't have to pay the penalty myself. And man, this is the most exciting news. When, when Paul brings us up in Romans, it is unbelievable. They're hearing these things. They're like, no way. He's like, yes way. Yes. This is how it works. Look at this scripture here. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glory sinners. We are all here. We are here. We're sitting here. I'm accountable. It was me. I fall short. I didn't measure up. I couldn't do it. But I don't have to pay the penalty before it, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Look, we take the Lord's Supper every week to remind us 
that Jesus paid the penalty for us, that you and I don't have to pay the penalty for our sins. This is unbelievable news that Paul's given us here in Romans. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. This unbelievable news, man, this is incredible. Look, you got to go home today. No matter what happens, you've won. You've won. And if the sermon ended here, that would be great, wouldn't it? Get to go home and watch the Falcons, feel good about life. We're still going to feel good about life, but it doesn't end here. Romans reveals that the resurrection seals our justification. Now, I'm going to sit down for a second and talk about this. The word justify is a legal accounting term that means that the books are balanced, that the debt has been paid in full, that everything's where it's supposed to be. And uh, you've heard me say this before, that we, we bring an auditor in every year. We bring an auditor in to look at our books. Uh, they look at the books for this campus, for the East Campus, for Celebrate Recovery, to make sure that everything equals out, to make sure everything measures out, make sure every dime is spent where it's supposed to be spent. We, bring, we pay a lot of money to do this so that we can come to you and say, hey, we're doing it right. I'm just telling you, it sounds crazy, but we do. We do that. And it, we bring an accountant in to, to justify the books. The same thing happens with us, with our sin condition. You're not just forgiven. You've been justified. That you've been justified. You stand before God in right standing. You can stand before God, and he sees you through his son, Jesus Christ, and he sees you through perfection. He sees you. In, he doesn't see our flaws and our sins. He sees who we were made to be all along. As a matter of fact, that Paul uses this word that you and I are saints. We're saints. That we are saints. That we are. We see ourselves as sinners. We know what we've done. Paul says, yeah, you're that, but you're saints because I've forgiven that. I've justified you. Look at the scripture here. He says, and when God counted him as righteous... That's the word justified. He says it was, wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will count us as righteous if we believe in him, that we, he will count us. This is a counting term that we have been declared justified, that count's been paid in full, that the books even out, that we are in right standing with God. The one who raised him from the dead. He says, the, the one who raised Jesus from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. That the resurrection does. When Jesus rose from the dead, that man, it made everything right. That when you place your faith with him, you have been justified. So not only are you not accountable, I mean, not, not responsible for the penalty for your sins, but you can stand before God in right standing and feel good about life. You don't have to walk around feeling guilty and everything. That you stand good. You, you're creation. You're God's creation. You're a son or a daughter. You're part of the family. Man, you're just feeling good about life. Man, this is great news. Which leads me to the next one. Romans reminds us that we are dead to sin and alive to God. The scripture here. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? I'm going to stop. That sounds like great news that anything you've ever done can be forgiven. Well, Paul addresses this. He knows it's coming because this is our human nature. Well, I'll just keep sinning then. You know what I mean? I'll just do whatever I want to do because he's going to forgive me. Does anybody have a thought like that? We would never raise our hand in church and say we do, but we do think like that sometimes. I know God will forgive me. I've had people tell me this. 
I was like, look, hey, what you're going to do wrong? I don't think you ought to do that. I'm serious. And they'll, you know what they'll say to me? I know, but I know God will forgive me. Well, that's a terrible attitude. That's what Paul's saying. That's not what we're supposed to do. That not only have you been made justified, that we have been declared dead to sin and made alive to Christ. And he gives us this picture right here, and the picture is of baptism. He says, or have you forgotten that you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, you were joined with him in his death. Meaning you went into the water, this watery grave. We got baptisms coming up. If someone would like to be baptized, we'd love to talk to you about it. You can fill out on your connect card. But you go in this watery grave, and if you stayed there, you would die. But you are raised to life. The same thing happens. But when you died, it's symbolically saying you died to that sin in your life, and you raised to life, and you want to follow Jesus Christ. That in your heart, man, you don't want to sin anymore. And your attitude isn't, I'm going to sin as much as I can so that God can forgive me more. My attitude is, I don't want to sin anymore. I'm going to try not to sin anymore because I don't want God to have to shed any more of his grace on me because he's already given me so much. Now, the truth is that those, that's a hard way to live. He says, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we may also live new lives, which leads me to the next one. Paul details our, I mean, Romans details our struggle with being dead to sin and alive to God. So I'm going to stop right here. I don't want to sin and I don't think you do either. I don't think any of us come and wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ and then I'm going to try to sin as much as I can. That's, what I'm, that's not what we want to do. But we kind of get duped into this. And this, We don't want to sin, but the struggle with sin is real. Now think about this for a second. Think about the most godly person you know. Usually it's somebody's grandmother. Am I right? Usually it's grandma. You know, it's never granddad. It's grandma. It's never dad. It's mom. I'm just telling you. Think of the most godly person you know. They still struggled with sin. They did. They struggled with it. They didn't want to, but they struggled with it. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote Romans in a lot of the New Testament, he talks about his life, and look what he writes. He says, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is in me. Now, here's the thing. You died with Christ. You're done with sin. I don't want to sin. But the truth is that sin is readily available. I'll give you an example. How many have gotten mad when somebody cuts you off in traffic? It's readily available, isn't it? It's readily. You've thought things. You may have said things. You may have done things. Now, when you got through, you know what you thought? Why did I do that? Why did I do that? It's sin. It's right there. It's right there. And you, you thought to yourself, I don't, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to be like that. But it's a struggle. It's a struggle. The reason why I bring this up is because sometimes I think we think that, you know, we're going to be perfect and we're never going to. No, we're going to try. We're going to strive. We're going to give every effort. And the longer we follow Christ, we're hopefully going to sin less and we're going to be more like him. And he's going to start carving away some of the stuff and sanding and polishing and some of these things that we did in the past that we're not going to do anymore. But it's still a struggle. Paul says it's a struggle for him. He said, I discovered, he said, he said, there's another power within me. They wage war in my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And then he says this, oh, what a miserable person I am. Because that's miserable, isn't it? You've been there. I've been there. That we're miserable. That, man, I'm struggling. That I, I want to follow Christ, and I'm still struggling with sin. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? 
The same answer that the answer to all the previous points I've made before. The answer is Jesus Christ. That he is going to free you from that. He says, the answer is in Jesus Christ. So you see how it is in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. He says, but thank God we've got Jesus in spite of all of it. Which leads me to the last point. I hope you're there. You've done the prologue of everywhere we've been. Here's the last one. Romans shouts that God is working for your good. Now, there's a lot of great verses in Romans. The one I'm going to show you is just incredible. So many times in our lives, we wonder where God is. Where are you at? Why is this happening to me? Because everything in our life isn't good. And everything in our life doesn't feel good. And those are difficult moments. As a matter of fact, I heard Rick Warren say this, that we often think that things are either bad in our life or they're good in our life. He said, but truthfully, our life is like a train track. That there's two rails. And one rail, there's good things going on. Another rail, there's bad things going on. And that's the way it is for the most of our life. And I thought it's a great picture. Apostle Paul reminds us that the bad things in our life, God's working for our good. Things that we've created bad, things that have been done to us are bad, circumstances that are bad, storms that are bad. that God is working for our good. Look at this scripture right here. He says, then we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And so what I want to end with and saying this to you is God's working in your life. He's working for your good. And you may think, man, the, 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 I'm on the rail, the, the car's tipping over, I'm on the rail that's on the bad side. You might be, but let me share something. God's with you. And he's working. And he's got a plan for your life. And he's working for a purpose. His purpose in your life. And you may be wondering where he's at, and I'm telling you, you know where he's at? He's right there with you. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And so many times on the front end, we can't see him. But if you look back, you can see his hand all over it. You can see him working, see him moving. And sometimes God changes our circumstances, and sometimes he changes us, and sometimes he does both. And look, I'm telling you, he's working in your life. And so I'm going to give you three things. He's working in your life. He's got an eternal purpose in your life that you would be saved. That you would place your faith in his son, Jesus Christ. That you wouldn't pay the penalty for your sin. You're accountable for it, but you don't have to pay the penalty for it. And man, if that's you, then today's your day. Today's the day to place your faith in Jesus Christ. To trust him, to follow him. The second is this. Surrender. Whatever's going on with you, surrender it to the Lord. 
just give it to him. Say, Lord, I don't know. Maybe it's a sin. I'm giving this to you. I'm drawing a line in sin. Or maybe it's a situation. Lord, I'm giving this to you. I've been trying to handle it. I can't handle it. You're God. I'm not. Circumstance, relationship, dilemma, problem. Surrender it to him. Give it to him. Watch him work in your life. Watch him work good. Let it go. And here's the last one. Take a step of faith today. Now, that may seem weird. But the scripture right here at the end where he says, are called according to his purpose for them. You're never going to know what God's purpose is for your life until you take a step of faith. You're going to wonder. You are. You're going to wonder and you're going to hear messages like this and you're going to hear a message like this. You're going to go home and watch the Falcons think, that was great. That was pretty good. That wasn't so good. Whatever. But I'm going to tell you something. You take a step of faith, then you're going to see God work. You're going to start the process of God working in your life. So maybe that step of faith is to be baptized. Maybe it's to start serving. Maybe to get in a group. I don't know. But I know this, that God responds when we step out in faith. He does. He says in his word. So maybe your step of faith today is to be saved, to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe your step of faith today is to surrender whatever it is you're holding back from the Lord. Or maybe your step of faith is, man, I'm going to start putting some stuff together. We're going to stand and sing. I'm going to give you a chance to do it. You can do it on your Connect card, or maybe you want to come up front and pray, or maybe you want to talk to somebody. I'll be down front. I'm going to pray for you as you do. Father, I thank you for your word to remind us, to challenge us, to point us. And Lord, we thank you that shows us just how much you love us, that you would send your son Jesus Christ to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sins so that we don't have to pay that penalty because we can't. But also, Lord, to call us to your purpose. To see you work in our lives in ways we could only, we really can't even imagine until we do it. To see you work in our lives in our marriages, our families, our, just our friends, whatever. With the problems and dilemmas that we face, Lord, just to see you work according to your purpose. That you've got, you've got plans that are more than we can ask or imagine. We just got to take a step of faith. So Lord, I pray for the person here today that's never placed their faith in you. I pray that today is the day that they would trust you. Lord, I pray for the person today that's been holding on to something that needs to surrender. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us to start taking some steps of faith, wherever you're calling us, wherever you're leading us. And it's usually the thing that we don't want to do. Or we're uneasy about, Lord, just I pray that you would speak peace to us in those situations. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? If you have a decision made, man, we'd love to. If you want to pray, or you need prayer, you come to the altar. If you want to speak to somebody, I'll be down front.